the Holy Spirit is, has been speaking to me today, uh, not just today, but this past week or so, about the whole area of fruitfulness. And uh, he's our helper and he's our teacher and he's our guide. And so I want us just to start by um, each individually asking the Holy Spirit to, to give us an ear to hear what he is saying to us personally. Often I find that there will be a, a word for the church, the church corporate, but in every service the Holy Spirit will be wanting to speak directly to your heart to the situations and circumstances that you find yourself in. So why don't we just pray? Why don't we just pray? And you, you just ask, say, just Holy Spirit, just come and speak to me today about the situations and the circumstances that I'm facing right now. Amen. Okay, John 15 verse 16 says this. You did not choose me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We've been created with a plan and a purpose in mind. We've been chosen, we've been appointed, and from the beginning of the time, God has set us aside so that we could be fruitful and see increase in his kingdom. So we haven't been created by God just to merely survive or just be successful. We've been created to live lives of significance and influence for his kingdom. And we've been created, chosen, and appointed to be fruitful and to produce fruit that will last for eternity. Anyone can do stuff that looks good. And even in church life, we can easily get off track and chase success. But God says... We've been created to have an impact that will last and last forever. And that's good fruit. But often we go through seasons in life where we can get stuck. And there are seasons. There are four seasons, winter, spring, summer, autumn. And different things happen at those times. But there is always a transition between the seasons. And so if we get stuck... We need someone often to help us to get back on track. And this morning, that helper is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to help numerous people here this morning just get back on track in their lives. Uh, we can get stuck in our finances. We can get stuck in relationships. But this morning, God wants to help you get moving again. Every week... I get asked by someone about fishing. Uh, have you been fishing lately? What's happening? What are they saying? And uh, where are the fish? And uh, this last week, I was remembering a fishing trip that didn't start too good. It was in April 1984. I, I left my home in Hamilton after work on a Friday evening, and I was really in a hurry to get to my fishing spot across Lake Tarawera before it got dark. And... Uh, when I got to the lake, uh, because I was by myself, I had a reasonably heavy boat, uh, I used to launch the boat by tying the, the boat onto the jetty, I'd back the car down, slam the brakes off, slam, slam the brakes on, and the boat would just roll off the back. And uh, smart way of launching it, I'd drive away and everything was good. So this is exactly what I did. 
Um, the launch was successful. And yes, I had remembered to put the bung in the boat, which sometimes I had not. Uh, but my boat was reasonably heavy, and in those days I was towing it with a front-wheel drive, two-litre Commodore station wagon, which was my company car. And after I'd launched the boat, when I tried to move the car up the ramp, all I did was spin the front wheels. And the more I tried, the worse it got. So I went back a little bit further into the water to get a run up, and nothing happened. Well, it got worse and worse and worse to the situation that I had water up to the back floor of the station wagon. <laughs> so as you can imagine, the, um, the exhaust, everything else was just completely flooded and the like, and it was getting dark. And I was just in a, a real, real mess. But it's amazing the prayers that you pray when you're really stuck. You know, when you're really in a jam, it's amazing how you cry out to God. Uh, he, he often is the one that you go to after everything. And um, so just as I was in a place of despair and I was crying out to God, I see these lights coming down the hill. And it just happened to be a four-wheel drive rural postal delivery vehicle with a tow bar and tow rope on board. And so he was able to tow me off. I, was, I thanked him very much, and then I managed to head across the lake in the dark, got to my fishing spot, and caught lots of trout. And so it all ended happily ever after. But, but I, I, I think that that picture, and you can see it in your mind's eye, of this car spinning its wheels with its boot full of water, that's a picture of our lives at times. Uh, despite our good intentions, we get stuck and we don't seem to be going anywhere. And no matter what we do, we don't seem to be able to just get back on track, whether it's in the area of finances or in a, it's in the area of relationships or whether it's in the area of our walk with God. But Jesus said we were created to grow and to be fruitful with fruit that will remain. So just as that mail delivery vehicle pulled my car out of Lake Tarawera, I'm convinced the Holy Spirit wants to give us keys this morning that will just help us to get going in God. And the first key that I see to producing ongoing fruitfulness in your life is something that every, every gardener will know, and that is you've got to prepare the soil. You've got to prepare the soil. And in Luke chapter 8, Jesus explains in a parable, which he calls the parable of the sower. He explains this principle. And it's one of the few parables that Jesus actually gives the um, interpretation of. And he does this because it's so important, this one parable. It applies to everyone. And in Luke 8 verse 4, it says this. It says, While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer 
went out to sow seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fell on the, along the path that was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And when he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And then a little bit further on, he explains the meaning of the parable to his disciples. And he says this, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rock are ones who receive the word with joy in their hearts, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell amongst thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So in his explanation, Jesus says the seed is the word, and the soil is our heart. And I don't think that Jesus is talking about four different fields here. He's talking about one field with a number of different conditions. It was was their practice to have fields next to each other, and often there was no fences like we have today, but there was just a boundary peg or a boundary stone. And so if you wanted to get from one part of a field to another, uh, you just made a path. Uh, through the field, and of course, the more people that walked on that, the more that path, the more that good soil got trampled down, and uh, the harder that became. And that's the picture that Jesus is talking about here, because every one of us have areas in our hearts that have been hurt and trampled down by other people. Every one of us have areas of shallowness where we just lack discipline. Every one of us have areas focused on life's worries. Every one of us have times of testing where we miss God's best. Every, everything comes from the heart. Jesus said the good man out of the good treasure in his heart brings forth good things. The key is really to recognize those problem areas and start doing something about them. And so how do you take a problem area in your heart and turn it and produce good soil or a soft heart condition? Well, first of all, you do it by regularly soaking in the Word of God. God's Word's amazing. Uh, It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Uh, It says, how can a young man keep his way clean? And the answer comes by living according to God's word. King David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. In Hebrews 4.12 it says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. We're cleansed and washed by the word. When Joshua is going in to take the prophet's land, God says to him, don't let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will be successful. 
In other words, we're to soak in the Word of God. We're not just to read it, but we're to take it in. We're to think about it. Uh, The picture is very, very much uh, like a cow chewing the grass. It chews it, it takes it in, chews it, goes down to one stomach, and then what does it do? Any farmers here could tell me what the, what the cow does after it's taken it down? It re- Thank you, Murray. It burps it up burp, with a bunch of methane. <clears throat> oh, come on, yeah. Just what, just what I put that in. Yeah, and so it's not carbon neutral, Murray. <laughs> but it does. It brings it up and it chews it again. And that's what we're to be like with the Word of God. Not just... Not just reading it flat out because we're trying to get through reading the Bible once a year, but taking it in, meditating on it, thinking about it, praying over it, uh, regurgitating it, bringing it up, bringing it up, bringing it up. And as you take it in, the Word of God, which is living and active, works on our hearts. And it starts softening our hearts and starts um, identifying areas in our heart that need to be softened and healed and restored. The second thing that you can do to soften your heart, to prepare it as good soil, is to pray. And I'm not talking about just having a a prayer time for half an hour or an hour each morning, but I'm talking about praying through the day. I'm talking about just connecting with God. Um, When you connect during the day, when you take the time to remember that you are in a partnership and a connection with Jesus, the Holy Spirit starts flowing to you and through you. I read of one pastor who would set his alarm every hour so that he could just send up an arrow prayer and remind himself that he was connected to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because when you take time during the day to talk to Jesus, you you get built up because the Holy Spirit flows. And as a consequence, you recognize uh, and acknowledge his presence and you will look to God more and more and more as your source. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing and we need to be reminded of that we need to be reminded of that consistently so part of softening your heart and preparing your heart is to recognize that God is with you all the time the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us so we can have that connection 24-7 Prayer helps us stay connected and therefore, consequently, it helps us bear much fruit. I've got my eldest son and his wife over from Australia for a couple of weeks and uh, this week we sat down to watch the beginning of one of the great classic films of all time, uh, which was Lawrence of Arabia. And uh, Pete's really into theatre music and all the rest, so the... um, Lawrence of Arabia was a uh, seven Academy Award winning film, including best uh, film score. And uh, Lawrence of Arabia, if you haven't ever seen it, is, um, I think it's about a 1964 film. Uh, It's about a British intelligence officer called Colonel 
um, Thomas Lawrence and his, it's about his exploits in uh, Saudi Arabia. Uh, he became very famous because of the battles that he was able to won, win by partnering with the um, Bedouins at that time. Uh, but after World War I, uh, when Lawrence was in Paris, he was there with some of his Arab friends and he showed them the sites of the city. He showed them the Arc de Triomphe, the Louvre, Napoleon's tomb and all these other things. But none of these things really impressed them as much as the taps in the bathroom of their hotel. You see, they, they spent a lot of time turning the taps on and off. And it was amazing to them that you could just turn the handle on and you could get as much water as you wanted. In fact, uh, when they were ready to leave Paris, Lawrence found them, found his friends in the bathroom trying to steal the taps and, and take them back to Arabia. Uh, they said, what we need is taps. If we have these taps, we'll have all the water we want. And of course, he had to explain to them that the only reason why the taps delivered water was because they were connected to huge reservoirs of water. And we laugh at their stupidity, but actually, that's as silly as thinking that we can do anything of eternal worth without being connected and led by Jesus. And prayer helps us make that connection and helps us build that relationship. And as we pray... The Holy Spirit comes and fruitfulness happens. Third thing that you can do to just help build a softened heart is worship. Uh, often I will walk around my garden uh, singing hymns as it, it just softens my heart. It's interesting, isn't it, how we go back to the music that was in vogue when we first got saved. And some of the uh, great Presbyterian hymns are favorites of mine. And uh, I just love to sing those. And as I do, the Spirit of God comes because he says he inhabits the praises of his people. And it, he loves hearing his kids tell him that they love him. And as we lift up praise and as we lift up thanksgiving and as we lift up gratefulness to God, he works on the inside and softens our heart and just works things out in our life. Praise and worship is like a channel for the Holy Spirit to flow. And when he flows, he's like the sap in the vine. He flows to us and through us and causes us to be fruitful. So it's really, really important to develop a lifestyle of reading the Word and meditating on it, a lifestyle of prayer, a lifestyle of worship, because as you do, it prepares your heart to receive God's plans, God's purposes, and God's Word. In 1987, I was the... Senior technical executive for New Zealand Dairy, and I was at a Black Power funeral. It was a um, young Black Power member uh, who got murdered, and he 
had been part of my, one of my um, small groups a number of years previously, and I knew the family well, so they'd asked me to speak at his funeral. And as I'd spoken, I'd just sat down, and I was just meditating about the situation, and I heard for the first time the audible voice of God. Now, often I, I hear God speaking with a still small voice, but this time, instead of the voice coming from within to without, it was a voice from without to within. And God said to me, how many more young men will die before you'll preach my word? Now, up till that stage, I had never, ever thought about becoming a preacher. I had a fantastic job. I really enjoyed it. I'd traveled the world a number of times. I had standing in the community and I had good standing in the church without becoming a, on staff, without going on staff. But my heart was fertile soil. It was prepared by a lifestyle of reading and studying God's word. It was a lifestyle of consistent and regular prayer and a heart that was open to be changed and desirous of doing God's will before my will. And I had an amazingly godly wife. So when I heard God's voice, I acted on it. And here I am. There's a really great um, scripture in Proverbs 21 verse 1, which I've found an encouragement over the years. And I know it'll be an encouragement to a number of you who are thinking, oh, what should I be doing? Where should I be going? Um, I don't seem to know what the next step is or whatever. It says in Proverbs 21 verse 1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Another translation said, the heart of a king is like rivers of water in the hands of the Lord. He can turn it wherever he wants. And so what, what that really means is that if you place your heart in God's hands, at the right time, he can turn it one way or the other. In other words, you might be going down this path, and God could say, I, I want I want to change. And he, he can turn it. And he can put the desire in your heart. And it tells us that God places his desires in our heart if we trust in the Lord. Doesn't it say that? It said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding and acknowledge him in all his ways and he will make your path straight. He, in another verse, he says he'll give us the desires of our heart. In other words, he will place his desires in our heart so that the things that he wants for us, we will want for us. But the reason why that, that word of God was able to take root in my heart, and it was a huge decision. It was a huge decision to walk away from that situation, that circumstance, but the reason it was able to take root in my heart was because of the years and years and years and years and years before that, that I had prepared a soft heart so that I could hear his voice and I could do his will. The, the last thing that I just noted down here 
to help prepare the soil of our heart is to get rid of the rocks. I mean, that might be obvious. Um, but the rocks are things like stumbling blocks. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I talked about dealing with offenses. So very quickly, if there's sin in your life, sort it out. You're not going to hear consistently from God if you're consistently sinning because it'll be like a blockage to your spiritual ears. Uh, if you have unforgiveness in your life, forgive because all you're doing is imprisoning yourself and stopping yourself from hearing what God wants for you and opening yourself up for demonic attack. Get rid of the stuff in your life that's stopping you from growing and hardening your heart. Uh, Hosea uh, 10.12 says, Break up your fallow ground. In other words, break up your unproductive ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. There are times and seasons in our life, and I just sense that this is a time to seek God. This is a time to press in. This is a time to get ourselves right. This is a time to prepare the way of the Lord for what he wants to do in the next coming weeks, months, years. Because he's got a plan, and it's a plan that's going to impact people for eternity. It's time. It's time. It's time. But it's one thing to receive the word of God. It's another thing to do something about it. It's not all of God and nothing of us. It's partnering with him. Thank you. All right. First of all, prepare the soil of your heart. Get that sorted. Secondly, you've got to sow the right seed. Okay. You want to... Um, the most common seed that God gives us is his word. 1 Peter 1 verse 23 says, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed. God's word is incorruptible. That seed, if you put it in your heart and act on it, it will produce a harvest in your life. And in the life of others, because there's a supernatural power in the seed of God's word. And although we can't figure out how it works, it works. In Genesis verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 22, it says, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. As one of the foundations of the world that we have been cre created in is seed time and harvest. Galatians 6, 7 says, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. People reap what they sow. So if you are sowing good seed and the good seed of God's word into your life, that's what you're going to reap. If you're sowing rubbishy seed, that's what you're going to reap. You can't change the law of God. You will reap what you have sown. The promises in God's word are seeds that we can receive and give out. 2 Peter 1 verse 4 tells us that through his great and precious promises, we participate in his divine nature. But we need to plant them. His promises of healing are seeds that will produce healing. His promise of peace are seeds that will produce peace. 
His promise of salvation. A seeds that will produce salvation. In my garage, I have got lots of packets of seeds. I've got silver beet seeds. I've got corn seeds. I've got runner bean seeds. I've got leek seeds. I've got lots and lots and lots of seeds. The, re- the reality is they are never going to produce fruit unless I plant those seeds. And unless I plant them in good soil. We plant God's word as we read it, as we speak it, as we meditate on it, and as we believe it. But it's not the only seed God gives us. God places thoughts in our minds that are seed thoughts that we need to meditate on and produce a breakthrough. Often, in my job in the dairy industry, I would be praying about a particular situation that I needed a breakthrough in, and God would give me seed thoughts. And I would think about those, and he would map out a path for me to be able to get a result that would save us, at times, millions and millions of dollars. And people couldn't understand how all this good stuff was coming out of this. I was going to say idiot, but um, <laughs> the, re- the reality is God's a lot smarter than us. And he, know ex- he knows exactly what's happening and how things are going to work. So, Isaac, God knows exactly where he wants you to go. He knows the plans that he's got for you. He knows what's going to be needed at that school. He knows the training. He knows the doors that are going to be answered. And that's true in every one of our situations. He knows it. Our job is to stay in touch with him, have an ear to hear what his spirit is saying, and instead of rushing around all the time, take time just to think and ask and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. He wants us to hear his still small voice and recognize the ideas that are God ideas. I was really blessed the other night when I um, heard from Alison, who was um, telling me how uh, she was giving respite care to a young boy with Tourette syndrome. And uh, he had tics that were just incredibly disturbing and um, a difficult, difficult, difficult situation. But he also had an ankle which seemed to be out of place. And he told her that it was causing him a lot of pain. So she said, well, you know I'm a Christian. Uh, why don't we pray and ask God if he will heal your ankle? And so she said she prayed, not with a super faith healing, but as she prayed, she saw the ankle come back into right order, and he was completely healed. And not only was he completely healed of that, but his ticks stopped. And not only did his ticks stop, but when he went back home, it caused a real ripple amongst the healthcare workers because the word came back that this boy had had a miraculous healing. That's what happens when you sow God's word. I find you just go as far as your faith can take you and actually take another step a little bit further and see what God will do. 
And I really believe that we are coming to a time where the miracles that we celebrate as being exceptional are just going to be the norm. Because God's people are going to step out and the power of the Holy Spirit, listening to what he's saying, and he's true to his word, and we're just going to see an increase and a flow of miracles in our church, in our city, and in Northland. So we need to believe for that. Um, That's sowing good seed. Prophetic words are like seeds that need to be planted and watered and looked after before they'll produce. It's one thing for us to say, God has said that we're going to see 10 times increase in Church Unlimited in the next 10 years. We can't just sit back and think, oh, that'll be nice. We need to be hearing, God, if you've said that, what part have I got to play in seeing that prophetic word come to pass? What do you want to do through me? What do I need to do Next, we need to plant that. We need to pray, God, what are the right conditions for your prophetic word to come to pass? And what is our part? We sow seeds every day in our lives and in the lives of others. When we do something kind for others, we're sowing seeds of blessing and joy. When we say a kind word, we're sowing seeds of love and affirmation. When we pray for others and ask God to meet their need or help them in an area that they're struggling with. We're sowing seeds of hope and mercy and grace. And when we acknowledge a deed well done or compliment someone on a talent they possess, we're sowing seeds of encouragement. And we need to do that time and time and time again. You know, you don't know what is happening in the life of another person. And Time and time again, I have received words from angels in disguise who have encouraged me uh, over the years when I've preached what I thought was a really dumb message. And um, someone will come up and say, oh, that was fantastic, Pastor. Thank you so much. That really, really spoke to me. That encourages me. And it helps me to press in, press in, press into God and hear specifically his word for us more frequently. Seeds are powerful. Every seed that we sow has been created to be fruitful. But not only do we have to look out for the seed that we sow, but we have to look after our heart and the good seeds that have been sown in it. Have a look at this picture and tell me what you see. That one there. <laughs> oh, I'm pleased. I'm pleased Penny said that's her garden because all I can see is a garden full of weeds. <laughs> I thought it was my garden actually. Uh, that's a picture of neglect. What was a fruitful garden a few months ago? What was flourishing with Broccoli and runner beans and silver beets and leeks is just one big mess. There's a little bit of um, parsley growing there, yeah, yeah, but that's about it. So, how did it get from a fruitful garden to, to that mess? What did I have to do? Nothing. Nothing. That's all I had to do to transform a fruitful garden into a neglected garden. Do nothing. And the same is true with your heart. 
If you do nothing, there's going to be weed seeds that are going to grow up. If you do nothing, the soil is going to get hard. If you do nothing, you're going to have the seeds of the world sown in your heart, and they will bear fruit. In fact, Jesus said that good seeds and bad seeds are sown at the same time. And we need to be careful of of that. Um, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it come the issues of life. We need to look after it, people. The enemy sows seeds. Remember a few weeks ago, we saw that the enemy's goal is destruction. His strategy is division, and his weapon is offense. How many people have been offended in the last week? Put your hand up. Oh, there's a whole pile of people who haven't. Well, we can soon sort that out. Just come and see me after the service, and I'll make sure that um, you're offended good and proper. The reality is that's the way that the enemy wants to work. He wants to cause division. So we've, we've got to be careful. We've got to protect our hearts. The strongholds that the enemy seeks to establish in our life often come through untrue, ungodly seed thoughts that we take and meditate on. You can't stop those things coming in, but you can stop them from being planted. You can recognize them. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. God gives us powerful weapons to demolish strongholds. And most often, those strongholds in your life start off with a wrong thought. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We have the power. We have the authority. We have the wherewithal to stop those weed seeds, those wrong thoughts, those wrong things being planted in our lives. We just have to take action on it. We just have to be aware that this is one of the enemy's schemes. And he wants us to have minds renewed. He wants us to have minds that are washed with the water of the word. He wants our thinking to align with the thinking of God so that our outcome, our life, will be aligned to God's outcome. Thoughts that we repeat, whether they're good or bad, whether they're from God or Satan, will result in actions. Actions that we repeat establish habits. Our habits build our lifestyle, and our lifestyle determines our destiny. So we need to do regular maintenance on our heart and our mind. And by the way, that's where friends come in. Uh, I'm really encouraged by the number of guys who go to our men's group every uh, second Tuesday night because as they get together, they can talk about the weed seeds that are being sown in their life and have someone else stand with them and work with them and help them to overcome these things. John fifteen sixteen says this, Jesus chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. 
fruit that will last. Let's have a look at, let's uh, have the musicians, please. See, no matter what the condition of your heart, you can get back on track. You're only one prayer away from getting back on track with God. In 1990, I took our family to Chile for three and a half months. And we pastored an English-speaking church in Vena del Mar, uh, which is called the Union Church. And it was the very first church that was planted on the uh, west coast of South America. And it was next to the port city of Valparaiso. And um, this was a place that was reasonably close to where Isaac used to live. Well, in the, north of, uh, in the south of Chile is frozen ice. Okay, In the north of Chile, there is a desert called the Atacama Desert. That's it there. And it's the driest place in the world. It's the only place where they have measured zero percent humidity no water no water but once in a hundred years or once every 50 years sometimes there is a change in the direction of the wind and the wind blows water vapor off the sea and deposits it on this desert and this is what happens You see, even a desert place with the water of the Holy Spirit can produce life from the seeds that have been sown. Many of you older people would have been brought up in traditional churches like I was. I still remember the Word of God that was preached to me that meant nothing to me back then. But when I gave my heart to the Lord, the Holy Spirit was able to breathe on all those seeds that had been sown over the years and produce life and produce fruit from that. Your situation this morning, you might feel dry. You might feel stuck. You might have really identified with my poor old Holden Commodore spinning its wheels on that ramp going nowhere, being flooded. But the reality is the Holy Spirit wants to come this morning. He wants to speak into your situation and He wants to tow you out of it. He wants to move you out of it. He wants to get you going. He wants to get you moving forward.